guys, welcome back to another ESL podcast, man. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, and today we're going to be going over some reading. That's right, to fly or to not fly. Guys, because we're living in such interesting times right now, it is disheartening. I was actually speaking to one of my friends yesterday, and I said, for this year, I'm not going to be able to travel anywhere. Like all hopes, dreams, everything was dashed. It all happened so quickly. I couldn't believe it. You know, at one point, you know, February being a ridiculously high salary making month, I'm over here making money online. I'm over here doing these courses and setting up things such as the pronunciation course, personal development courses, eBooks, you name it. And then all of a sudden, everything came to a grinding halt. And I said, wait, what, uh, what's happening? What happened? And they're like, oh, well, everything's been shut down. I'm like, wait, for what? What happened? Of course, we all know that the coronavirus and the, the overreaction to it ended up just supplanting everything and uh, like the entire world economy. And so in saying that, I wanted to go to Fiji. I wanted to go to Bali for my birthday. Um, I wanted to possibly go to Mongolia, but it was probably going to be more either Fiji or Samoa because it's very easy to get to Samoa now from Thailand. Uh, and it's like 60% less what the original price was. But all of that just came to a, a ridiculous grinding halt. And now it's kind of like, well, what we thought was pumping so much, you, you know, what we thought was the Singapore Airlines, the Cathay Pacific. Man, I remember flying, on, flying with them just last year. I love flying with different types of airlines and seeing different places. And now that's all over. These airlines, I don't think I've seen one plane in the sky over the last maybe three weeks. There were probably only several planes leaving from the massive airport right here in the heart of Bangkok. And now they've literally turned off everything. And it will follow suit for the next, I don't know, three weeks. And so putting that into, you know, perspective, what used to be a beautiful time sitting on a plane and meeting people and going to these different places everywhere, it's now finished. That is depressing. So now what used to be, oh my God, I'm flying Cathay Pacific. Really? I'm flying Singapore. Now has a negative stigma. I'm flying. Oh my God, you're flying? Oh my God, are you sure you want to do that? You're jeopardizing your life if you get on an airplane. You know, there were some Thai citizens that were relocating from Singapore uh, to Thailand and they had to pay upwards to about $600. Guys, normally this ticket is probably about $50 to $100. They had to pay $600 on a one-way ticket. That's literally two hours away. Okay, now again, America... You know, they have, they have inflation beyond belief with some of those ridiculous airlines. And these airlines are like two-star airlines, too. They are garbage. Every last one of them out there are trash. But anyway, that's not a discussion for this podcast. That's another one for another time. But they wanted to hurry up and get out because, again, Singapore and Thailand are both now airlocked. And Vietnam is, too. But Vietnam is doing a fantastic job in terms of controlling the virus. And that's why I'm like, you know what? You know, just by looking at it from an economical standpoint, I would have to say the chances of me going to Vietnam this year could be possibly higher because they are very weary. They are smart with controlling the virus. I think, you know, going there on a two-day quarantine and starting my new life is possible. 
because living here in Thailand, I just feel like the, uh, the, the uh, economy is going to completely fall apart. There's too much blaming. There's no leadership. And I think all foreign investors and how difficult immigration does everything for everyone out here, they're gone. There are going to be no more foreign restaurants. You're just going to see Thai food everywhere. You'll be, I would be surprised to see anyone coming out of this thing on the plus side. And so, again, you know, to fly or to not fly. You know, I'm looking at it from an economical standpoint and a standpoint where, like, just last year, you know, I was on Cathay Pacific. I flew this airline. I was planning big trips this year. And all of a sudden, for, net, for the next year, I'm not going to be able to travel. That's one year in my life that's completely wiped out because of foolishness. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, that's another conversation for another day. And today, what we're going to be focusing on is another a completely different aspect of why flying and why these airplanes being in the sky is actually why they're not in the sky right now is actually the best thing in the world because the amount of carbon dioxide they pour out 770 million tons okay throughout one calendar year so this article it focuses on like you know the whole polluted side and aspect of it but at the end of the day, I thought it was a little bit uh, outlandish because she's like, oh, well, you know, you probably shouldn't fly. And it's like, okay, so should I take, you know, a one-month journey across boat like they used to do during the slavery days in the 1930s? But nonetheless, that is for you to decide. Now, again, this is going to be a very, very lengthy uh, listening that you guys are going to be listening to. But guys, I'm going to kick this off for you guys, and then we're going to discuss after. Remember, there are questions available on the ArsenioBuckShow.com blog. Without further ado, let's do it. It's fast, convenient, and still the safest way to travel. What's more, nothing can beat the thrill of flying. So why consider any other form of transport? School is finally over for the summer and you're setting off to catch a flight. Perhaps you're looking forward to a well-earned holiday or about to embark on an adventure. Your mind is busy with the prospect of the days ahead spent on golden beaches, having fun with family or friends or exploring a place you've never visited before. So how much brain space is left to consider the environmental impact of your flight? Not much, probably. Yet for some, the choice to fly is controversial. The environmental damage done by planes has become a headline-grabbing issue in recent years. Politicians are regularly slammed by the press for flying to meetings abroad, and carbon emissions are calculated when bans go on world tours. Still, passenger numbers are increasing at a phenomenal pace. About 8 million people fly every day. That's around 3 billion a year. This growth is driven partly by the arrival of low-cost airlines worldwide and partly by booming air travel in countries with growing economies. Forecasters predict that the number of air travellers will double in the next 20 years. Campaigns such as No Fly Day on the 24th of October have done little to influence this trend. Only a small percentage of travellers have either cut back or stopped flying altogether as a result of concerns for the environment. But with in excess of 770 million tonnes of carbon dioxide produced as a result of air travel every year, 
maybe it's time to ask, should we continue to fly on holiday? Some would argue that with power stations being built, mostly coal-fired in some parts of the world, it's not worth agonising over this dilemma. After all, power stations are responsible for around a quarter of global greenhouse emissions, while flying causes just 2%. And compared with 18% caused by deforestation, the amount is minimal. Perhaps we should devote nine times more effort to fighting deforestation rather than worry about flying. Or maybe the solution is to offset our carbon footprint in some other way, replacing ordinary light bulbs with energy-saving ones, or throwing out your plasma TV could easily make up for a flight. Even turning off appliances instead of leaving them on standby would allow for a short-distance trip. Environmentalists would say that there's a bankrupt logic in this kind of carbon offsetting you could still take all those carbon-saving steps and cancel your holiday. Except the problem with this is that it assumes travelling is a frivolous activity. Even putting aside the benefits to travellers, this may not be the case. The tourism industry employs around 280 million people worldwide and generates income for many countries. Take the area around Lake Turkana in the north of Kenya, for example. If it weren't for the small number of visiting tourists each year, this area would never have been developed. As it is, the rough grassland has been transformed into a pristine conservation site. About 100 women are employed in the workshop at the tourist centre, making traditional crafts for export. The men would still be working in the fields if the hotels hadn't provided them with better paid jobs. The aviation industry itself wants to debunk myths about air travel. There are reports claiming that some ferries emit more carbon dioxide than planes and that a full plane can compete with a car. Some trains, high-speed trains in particular, can be just as polluting as planes. It seems that when you take into account the length of the journey, the speed and number of passengers, just about any form of transport can come out on top. What's true, though, is that pollution from planes is emitted high in the atmosphere, and for that reason, its effects are far worse. So airlines are working to develop less polluting aircraft and are exploring alternative fuel sources, especially sustainable fuels. One British airline recently developed a plan to create jet fuel from London's rubbish. The groundbreaking scheme was to turn household waste, which would otherwise be destined for landfills, into gas. Unfortunately, the plan was shelved due to a lack of support from the government. Had it gone ahead, the airline would have produced enough green fuel to power all their flights from London twice over. In carbon savings, that's the equivalent of taking 150,000 cars off the road. Meanwhile, airline ticket companies are encouraging air travel by offering carbon offset passes. These allow a flyer to calculate the approximate amount of carbon dioxide emissions produced by their flight and to invest in clean energy and carbon reduction projects that counterbalance its effects. 
Other incentives, such as one by a tour group in Thailand, are also designed to ease the traveller's conscience. The company promises to invest a portion of its profits in reforestation projects, which helps to offset carbon emissions produced by a return flight to the country. So, should we stop flying or not? The facts are complex and difficult to unravel. There's no doubt that air travel is detrimental to the environment, but the idea that it will cease is unrealistic. Flying is still the fastest and most convenient way to travel over long distances. If planes hadn't been invented, a journey that now takes a few hours might take days or even weeks. What's more, people in tourism-based economies are much better off as long as we continue to fly. Perhaps the best thing we can do when we next go on holiday is to choose an airline that goes out of its way to prioritise environmental concerns. That, and take advantage of the various ways that exist to offset carbon emissions. And there it is, people. So there are lots of interesting facts that she had said or uh, that she had stated throughout this. Um, again, I think one of the most important ones was, um, you know, looking at the coal fire. This is predominantly uh, out there in China, uh, Mongolia, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. They have a lot of coal, uh, what is it, coal fire burning type of uh, places to heat the city. And that's why they... Pakistan, uh, Skopje, I forgot where that was, but Bosnia is another hot spot for the amount of pollution that, um, that literally chokes out the city, sitting there in purple. India has a completely different problem. Of course, it uh, stems around the crop burning and they just have too much dust in that country, like dirt that's kicked into the sky or kicked into the air and it just sits there. But nonetheless, um, it's funny how you know, planes just cost 2%, you know, however, 18% is caused by deforestation, but nobody wants to talk about that. Um, you don't hear this too often in terms of planes and how much they pump, uh, you know, how bad it is into the, uh, the atmosphere and because it's so high up. Well, I mean, again, finding planes that are building planes that are far uh, that are far better for the environment. I think the Airbus is far better than Boeing. Obviously, French are more conscious uh, and they're more, they're more aware of the environment than obviously America. America just continues to, you know, turn around and say, no, these things aren't happening, although they are happening full circle. Um, again, less polluting aircraft. If you look here in Thailand, they just finally uh, developed something uh, on the Chao Phraya River, the main river that la it actually stems over probably two or three countries, if I'm not mistaken, or I think that's the Mekong River. But Chao Phraya River goes all the way from north to the south. And they finally have, they bought like uh, about six new tamarind, tamarinds, or I don't know, what do you call those really nice boats? They bought them from Australia. Uh, they're not so much, they don't pollute the water so much. Uh, they're much quicker. They're very, very good on the environment, and they just started service, which is excellent, uh, because the majority of the rivers are covered in disgusting sludge, and it smells like uh, ammonia, like, like it smells really, really bad. This one just sticking, like, sticking out like a sore thumb just behind my condominium that uh, has the stench of, oh my god, like an ammonia capsule. It's, it's pretty ruthless. So, um, 
cleaning up the environment from that sake okay again um that's why they discontinued the concord one because it had a very bad crash safety record i think seven had crashed and one with air france uh the concord could travel way up there in the heavens <laughs> for those religious folks out there i'm talking in the heavens like right there i don't know what sphere it was in but let's just say it wasn't at thirty thousand feet which most planes cruise at altitude uh, this bad boy would go up to about 54,000. Uh, like literally, oh my God, can you imagine traveling in that? However, the amount of pollution could equal three planes. And the, the noise barriers, it could be really bad for the environment, bad for the animals, even bad for human beings because they also achieve sonic boom. Uh, and if they achieve sonic boom, you know, over, uh, what is it, over a city, oh, I mean, this could literally make people deaf. And sonic boom, obviously, this is one of the loudest noises that have like the highest decibel range on planet Earth. So you gotta be very, very careful with that. Uh, that's why they discontinued somewhere just after the September 11th attacks, if I'm not mistaken, it had to be October and November of 2001. And they shelved the Concorde. Uh, it was a polluting monster. I can care less how expensive it was. You could travel from here to there in two seconds. Of course, we know Virgin uh, led by Richard Branson, is that his name? Um, he decided to build Virgin Galactic. He wants to bring back something similar to the Concorde. And let's just hope it's very good on the environment. <laughs> you never know what to see. You never know what these types of CEOs. But I trust him far more than I trust Bill Gates. I trust, uh, I, I have all ears. I love my British folks uh, because I know that they are very environmentally conscious versus America that uh, it's just, just far too many hidden agendas. But nonetheless... This was a good article. Didn't read it all the way through, but she put a lot of very interesting points in it. Guys, when it comes to air travel, if there are 500 people traveling uh, on one A3, A380 uh, Airbus, I mean, it's all right. It's not like, oh, you shouldn't travel because airplanes are really bad. No, I'm in the airplane along with 700 other people. So that's actually pretty good. You know what I mean? So, but nonetheless, I think that this virus, again, big sorry to all the families that have, um, you know, lost loved ones. It's very, very tra uh, tragic. But at the same time, you know, if we look at the environment, I mean, if we look at Thailand alone, you know, there aren't that many cars on the road anymore. There aren't that many people commuting. Uh, there aren't, there is that much smoke in the air. Uh, you can see birds chirping and flying around. I hear different birds that I've never heard before in my life. I don't know why is that, but I think it's a beautiful thing that, uh, you know, that we could finally, you know, start being conscious about the environment, uh, you know, and it, and it comes at the worst of times, unfortunately. But nonetheless, there is no other way. Hyperloop, of course, they're trying to think about that. I don't know if Elon Musk is doing that anymore. But uh, Dubai is going to have that probably within two years. I thought they were going to have it this year, but of course, setbacks have happened. Uh, but Dubai, I got some folks out there in Sharjah. Sharjah. I, I don't know how to say it. Sorry, guys. Uh, but I know you guys listen to me, and you guys are formidable. You guys are one of the top when it comes to transportation. You guys got one of the greatest airlines. As a matter of fact, two of the greatest airlines. You guys have Etihad that's uh, based out there in Abu Dhabi. And you have uh, the Emirates, of course, that's based out there in Dubai. Uh, and then, of course, Qatar, that's an entire different country that's, you know, obviously part in that Arabian Peninsula. But nonetheless, guys, very, very interesting. 
Um, again, if you're aware of your carbon footprint in general, again, very, very uh, important, okay? Because again, when it comes to your carbon footprint, uh, you know, just understanding, you know, okay, your electricity, how much are you doing here? What are you doing to do this? You know, it's kind of like me. That's why I have a smart air. You know, this smart air is actually very, very good for me. Uh, I don't wake up in the morning, you know, with, you know, with uh, sinus problems anymore. Like I wake up and I have nothing in my throat anymore. It's just crazy. Uh, because again, bad air in, it goes through my smart air and then it comes out smelling fantastic. So nonetheless, I'm aware. Um, I don't really, uh, I try not using things that are bad. You know, I don't use those nasty two, two, those three wheeled carriages uh, that are very notorious for overpricing. I don't know how they're still around, but who knows, you know, with all this, you know, these brown paper bags out here in this country, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, some of these buses need to be taken off the road and the government, I know the, the very little that they do, uh, they're finally put in the, the, what is it? The, oh my God, I don't even know what you call them. Uh, but they don't pump out that black diesel garbage smoke buses that they've been having for the past 50 years. They've taken a lot of that garbage off the road. So that's really good. Uh, one of them is bus number 40. I know I'm getting away from pollute, you know, from air pollution, but we just talk about air pollution in general, like plane pollution. But if we talk about pollution in general, um, a lot of these bus number 40s, they come in baby blue now and they're electronic and they're so environmentally friendly and they've taken off their predecessors. Uh, they, they've taken the predecessors off the road that were just disgustingly toxic beyond belief. Like the black smoke and the, some of these guys, they weren't even like legitimate drivers. They were just taught they would have three teeth. They were jacked up on drugs. Of course, known as Yaba, which makes them go crazy. And the, the, oh my God, it was just reckless. So now they've taken them off the road and they put these beautiful hydrogen buses, which have been sitting at the port by the name of Lam Chabong for such a goddamn long time. And it's because, again, Malaysia and China, they don't want to pay the government for the, you know, the brown paper bags. And they're like, fuck that. We ain't paying you guys, man. Hell no, we ain't paying a goddamn thing. And the government's like, fine. We don't give a damn about our people. We're going to leave it in Lam Chabong forever. Until finally someone said, come on, man, we got to cut some of these loose. And the government's like, okay, okay, fine. Three years later. <laughs> Sometimes you got to fight them just by being silent. But nonetheless, guys, only way to travel is by air. It's all about your carbon footprint. What do you do on a routine basis? So with that being said, guys, this was a heck of a long one, man. We got so many other things coming. We're getting back into the other side, the criminality. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a very interesting segment that we're going to be getting into. But I wanted to cover a lot of things that I have missed over the past couple of weeks. So in saying that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another ESL podcast. If you guys have any questions, let me know. I'm your host. As always, over and out.